0: Welcome to the Destiny Podcast. We hope this message blesses you. Well, welcome to our new creation week. Uh, we absolutely, totally love talking to you guys about this week because um, it's a week where we focus on you try, on, on whether you're getting, really, uh, getting a real hold of who you actually are. Because, um, yeah, I'll give you a little story. Uh, it, it didn't happen too long ago, about a year ago. We were kind of in the gym and we were just all laughing about names. You know, it, it, was, it was a slightly crude discussion in the gym as you do with guys working together in gyms. It can get a little, you can imagine, what it gets a little bit like, so we were laughing about some of the really silly names that people get called, and the parents just don't think. And I'm I'm sure you can I'm sure you have lots of names like that in in your own countries I guess, but we have some really. And I'm I'm not I'm not gonna <laughs> I'm not gonna mention them on the on this tape, you know. So sort of. <laughs> us Christians are really holy people. We don't get involved in conversations like that. Um, <laughs> 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 but I've got a funny name. My dad's Polish, was Polish, and uh, my name is Irvin, first name, and my second Polish name is Skripiec. And my name after that is Irvin Skripiec Allen. That's my name, and uh, they kind of knew at school that I was regarded to be Polish because it was only later in my life that I added the Alan on at the end, because, in fact, my first name, which I never used, is Alan. So I was christened Alan Irvin Skripietz. And I got... But my parents always called me Irvin. Right? So I was Irvin Skripietz at school. And I, I, I came from a council estate. And I was at school in the from the late 50s to the early 70s. And it was not easy having a Polish name. So, you know, uh, I, I, I grew up fairly soon to realize that our nation is pretty racist. So it, 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 it didn't take long at school for me to be known as the Polish wog. Would you believe? It? Yeah, I was the Polish wog at school. And uh, name like Skripiets. So I was Irving Schizophrenic. <laughs> uh, and all sorts of what, whatever they could make out of my name. And I got quite bullied at school. So school was a really difficult time for me because of my name. And... Uh, It's funny looking at it now, you know, I got called Irv the Perv, Irv the Swerve, all sorts of, I mean, whatever they could do with my name, they would do. And uh, So, in a sense, I I suffered in my early years at school being a bit of an object of ridicule because of my name. Now, I can can laugh about it now. And, you know, I was kind of laughing about it at the gym as well. And... uh, but even today, oh, yes, I didn't say, tell you. Because, so I never, I never used that first name, Alan. And so I was so upset as a kid that all the other, all the other kids just had two normal names. I had one normal name, and they didn't use it. <laughs> ha! That's so how I was really upset. The good name I had, nobody ever used. They called me Irvin, Streep, yes, you know, and, and, and all the things that came with that. And I hated my name. At school, and as I say, it would always get shortened to Oof. you know, even sounds horrible, doesn't it? Hello, uh, oh, anyway. So, even so, uh, when I went to university and I realized my name actually was almost unpronounceable, skripyets, even Polish people have a hard time. I remember when I went to a Christian conference, I became Christian at the age of 18 at university, and I was in the toilet. Standing next to another guy in the toilet, and uh, just for you girls, male toilet protocols. When you're standing next to another guy, you stay looking forward. You don't look to the side, and you definitely don't look down. (laughs) You don't do this. (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) it's true, isn't it? You just have to read what's on the wall, and that's all. And uh, anyway, I'm having doing whatever I did in the toilet, and this guy turns around to me like that and looks down <laughs> at my name badge. <laughs> so, and he went, ah, it's, creep, it's creepy. And I said, what? And he said, how do you say it? And I told him, I used to, I used to say skip yet, th- which was kind of an Anglicized way of saying it that my dad gave to me. He went, ah, 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 that's not how you say your name. So at the age of 18, I learned how to pronounce my own name in Polish. <laughs> so he, he gave me a lesson in the toilets as to how to say my own name. This guy was Polish. And uh, why did I say that? <laughs> Good start. All these funny, yeah, story about names, explaining why he was looking at me and looking down at my name badge in the toilet. It's kind of an embarrassing moment, especially when I realized I couldn't even say my own name. Uh, but, I, oh yeah, I rea- we realized that uh, when I became a doctor, because I was going to go to university and become a doctor, that patients would have serious trouble saying my name, Dr. Skrzypietz. Oh, it would never work. So. I agreed with my dad to say, you know, dad, you know, that name, that good name that I never used. <laughs> how about just tacking it on at the end so I can be called Dr. Allen? And so that'll be kind of cool. I will finally use the name I always wanted to use as a kid. By this time I was okay now with my name. I kind of I was beginning to like my name. <laughs> I kind of love my name, in fact. Um, but I thought, well, it's quite a bit of fun, you know, can use my name. So we, 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 we did it by deed poll and we tacked my first name, we attached it t- to the end of the Screapyets. So I became an Alan Irving Allen. Alan. So, and everybody called me Dr. Alan and didn't use my Skripietz name, although it's, it's written on, it was written on my room door. And everybody said, What's that name? You know, and I'd explain them and say, Oh, thank God you called Dr. Alan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So anyway. So names is a funny thing. But the truth is, even today, I really hate shortening names, don't I? My son, Andrew, I, he wants to be called Andy, but oh, oh, I, can, I can hardly do it. I really don't wanna call him Andy. And uh, Sue, my wife, it took me a lot, it took me years in being married to call her Sue instead of Susan. But Susan was the name her dad called her Sunday name, you know. Susan. And, but I always called you Susan, didn't I, for a long time. And I struggled, struggled to use short, shortened names. And, uh, I mean, the point, the point I'm making is that the past, our past, cannot dictate who we are. Right? But it can influence who we think we are. Does that all make sense? The past cannot change who you are, but it can influence who you think you are. So I grew up kind of hating myself, hating my name as a kid, struggling with who I was. And it influences my behavior. Even now, at the age of over 60, I still struggle to use shortened versions of people's names. Simply because of what happened to me at school. Isn't that crazy? And we, you know, we sing that song, you know, I am free to run, I am free to, th- I am free. Well, tell you what, I'm not totally free. I'm not totally free to use people's proper names. I'm not completely free there. I'm nearly free. I kind of, you know, I can call my son Andy now. I can call Sue, Sue. And so, in fact, <clears throat> I don't have too much problem now, but I'm still aware of a reluctance. So, that's not total freedom, is it? There's still a little something clawing at my heart, affecting the way I behave. You've you've hit, you've you've had a bit of a <laughs> preview of this story, haven't we? We, uh, me and Jonas, went uh, <clears throat> went for a walk round a lake. So you've you've had a bit of a preview of this. So, but anyway, so you can explain what I don't explain properly. You can explain to these guys. Um, <clears throat> so isn't it interesting? We can sing this song, you know. I am free, and we can read this verse. You know, if the sun sets you free, you're free indeed, I'm free. But yet. I'm telling you, I'm not totally free. And I guarantee if, you know, we looked at some aspects of your lives and you said, you know, am I really totally free to behave as I want to behave? Probably all of you would say, well, not totally. Uh, would I be right in that? I, I, I guess probably to some degree I'm right. <laughs> And the question is, why? Why is that the case? Well, in my case, it's very simple. I've explained to you why I'm not totally free to use shortened versions of names. I was bullied at school because of my name. And I, I, I came to have a, a horror of using shortened versions of names, like right? <laughs> in my own life. Um, so the past definitely has affected my freedom. Now, let's, the, the, the title of my talk in this, the beginning of this new creation week is Receiving Grace. How do we receive grace? I mean, you've, you've started learning about grace, haven't you? The whole of this school is about grace. Has anybody got any nice definition of what they think grace is? Say again. Undeserved forgiveness. That's, that's definitely a common understanding of grace. Absolutely. Anything else? You all know the acrostic, G-R-A-C-E, God's riches at Christ's expense. That's a good one. I like that one. I like that one, actually. I've got a very simple uh, definition of what grace is. This is the Irving Allen, Irving Skripiets Allen, Allen Irving skripietz Allen version of definition of grace. Grace is what God has done. (laughs) Do you like that? That's my definition. Grace is what God has done. So let me just look at a few of those things. Actually, No, I'll I'll give you. I'll give you out the handout. You, you, you you can actually look at the, uh, you know. Yeah. Even that's this beforehand. Yeah, yeah, that's great. (laughs) Now it's possible for you just to spend all your time looking at these now and not listening to me. That's okay. I, I don't mind you doing that. I'm just doing it because it's got the list of these. I've just, I just listed when I was preparing the talk just a few things of what God has done, right? He's made you a new creation. You know that? If anyone anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. You know that verse, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17. This is a lovely one. I'll just look them up. Sorry, it'll it'll take a little bit of time doing this, but it's not wasted time looking up these references. 1 John John 3, 1. Well, I'll tell you what. We can kind of, have you got, no, you haven't got your Bibles, have you? Uh, (laughs) Ah, school of ministry, who has your Bibles? Andy, if you could look up the next one, Romans 8, 16 and 17. Uh, uh, Where are we? you want to look up Romans 8, 16 and 17? Yeah. Oh, you've got the Romans 8 one. I'll do the one John. Uh, yeah, you do, you do the John 17 one. Philia, Colossians 2, 9 and 10. Miriam, Colossians 3, 3 and 4. Rose, u k with... Uh, 1 Corinthians 1.30. Okay, we'll take it from there. All right, so uh, 1 John 3.1. See what love the Father has given us, that we should be called children of God. And so we are. (laughs) Isn't that just great? You know, we're called children of God because, guess why? Because we are. (laughs) Absolutely wonderful. God is your Father. You are his child. Yeah, okay. Next one. Romans 8, 16, 17, Andy. The Spirit Himself testifies with our Spirit that we are God's children. Now if we are children, then we are heirs. Yeah. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. Yeah. If we in need, to share in His sufferings in order that we may also share in His glory. Yeah. Okay. Wonderful got to uh, John 17 so so Jesus praying that we should be in him right we are in him yeah we are his children we're in him colossians 2:9-10 Thanks. We're also complete with our union in Christ. All the fullness of God dwells in Christ, and guess what? We are completely in union with him as well. So all the fullness of God dwells in us. These are astonishing truths. Yeah, Colossians 3. Got that, Miriam? For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Christ, who is appears, also you will appear. Thanks. You are hidden. We're hidden totally in Christ. And when he died, we died. And when he rose, we rose. Uh ah, blows me blows my brain. Yeah, Rose. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus. for God. That is our righteousness, holiness, and Right. We're in Christ Jesus. We're one in him. He's become our wisdom. Uh, th- don't you, don't you just think these are amazing um let's read Ephesians two verses four to ten. Have you got that okay, read that as well. With and with him in of Jesus. In that That'll do. Yeah. Just just incredible. Right. When we were dead through our trespasses, God made us alive together with Christ, in him, with him. And we were raised up with him, and we sit with him in heavenly places. I mean, these are just kind of well, they're mind-boggling truths. I won't go. I won't go through any more. But there, you've got a list there of a number of things. Ju- just these were just a list that just I just psh, just threw some of them down. And the Bible is kind of just full of this stuff. Now, the question is. Are all of these things true right now? (laughs) Yeah. It's just a question. Are all of these things true right now? The Bible says we were in him when he died. We're in him as he rose again. Therefore, we have a new life. We completely have a new life. The Bible says the the old has gone, the new has come. Is it true? Is it actually true? We have his righteousness. He forgave the whole of the sin of mankind and he gave us his righteousness in that in that exchange. Is that true? Are you fully righteous? Yeah. <laughs> come on. You know the answer is yes. <laughs> it's like that Sunday school thing, isn't it? You know, the, the Sunday school teacher says, the answer is always Jesus. You know, <laughs> the answer is always Jesus to everything. And the Sunday school teacher says, what's, what's brown four legs and a fluffy tail? And the kid says, nobody answers. Come on, somebody knows the answer. He said, well, I know the answer is Jesus, but he sounds like a squirrel. <laughs> you know, you're kind of, kind of afraid to say anything. <laughs> oh, sorry, forgive me. I'm just having fun. Well, if all of this is true and we have been totally set free in Christ and you are totally free in every way, why are we here? Why are we sitting here? Why do, you know... Why do we behave in ways that are not exactly appropriate to that? If all of that's true, you are totally, totally righteous. You are totally free of all your sin because Jesus died for you to forgive all of your sin and set you free from all that sin, past, present, and future, and all of that stuff. Why do we I mean, I clearly gave you an example right at the beginning, don't we? But why do we not behave that way? That's a big question, isn't it? Why doesn't it go away? If, you know, if Jesus has completely set us free and you are free, Why doesn't why isn't it bang, instantly gone away just like that? Well, okay. I, I won't, I, you're, you're spot on. We're human. <laughs> We're influenced by all sorts of things. The past just doesn't automatically go away, does it? The past still happened. And for me, like, you know, in my story, the past still happened and it made me fear certain things. It made me afraid of certain things. It probably made me believe certain things. I probably, what might I have believed about myself when I was growing up and had all these names calling and all these people making fun of my names? What sort of belief processes can you imagine might have been going on in my head? Any guesses? Yeah. Yeah. How could my parents do this to me? My parents don't love me. If my dad loved me, he would have realized this. At least they could have loved me enough to call me Alan, not Irv. You know, and and, and, and slowly, slowly, slowly over the years, the belief structure grew. Well, actually, my dad didn't love me. Couldn't have done. Because, in fact, what he did led to me experiencing lots and lots of pain. That's not an act of love, is it? So therefore, he can't have loved me. Therefore, my father didn't love me. I'm sure that wasn't true, but that's kind of what I believed. I grew up believing it. Therefore, let's take it on a little bit further. Am I therefore lovable? That's a difficult one. Maybe if the people who should have loved me didn't love me, maybe therefore I'm not lovable either. So I grow up believing I'm not lovable. And then when somebody does something to me, just treats me in a kind of normal way, makes a flippant joke at me, you know, I sort of, we all have jokes made at our own expense, don't we? Yeah, we all it all happens, you know, somebody makes a joke about us and we all have a laugh about it, but. What's that gonna do to me if foundationally in my heart I'm thinking I'm not lovable and therefore this is now evidence of the fact that I'm not lovable. They're, they're just making fun of me. And suddenly my mind's racing back to being bullied as a kid and all that sort of stuff. And life becomes then hunting for evidence. Am I lovable, am I lovable? Uh, actually, no, I'm not. Because they're making a joke about me. that all make sense. Anyway, I, uh, you know, there are some aspects of grace theology which make some people think, well, we don't need to start hunting around. All we need to do is just be told the truth and keep telling ourselves the truth. Keep telling ourselves the truth. Keep telling ourselves the truth. The truth is I'm free. The truth is I'm a new creation. The truth is I'm full of righteousness. The truth is God has filled me full of his joy. and You know, kind of all of that sort of stuff. So I just need to keep saying it to myself, enough. And that's all I need. And interestingly, the church for 2,000 years has had uh, an, what we would call an inner healing sort of ministry. Is that, is that phraseology that you're familiar with? Inner healing? Yeah, okay. You know, simply looking at why we behave the way we do, why we think the way we do, why we feel the way we do. all sort of Christian counseling sort of stuff, you know uh, We know that we kind of don't feel free, and we're not entirely sure why we don't feel as free as the Bible says we are. So therefore, that's, that's why the whole of this Christian counseling stuff is. I mean, why do Christian husbands beat their wives? And some do why do christians get divorced because they can't manage to get their act together in the sort of forgiveness and tolerance and you know all of that sort of side of things why do all these things happen and 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 the need for christian counseling services just to help us live life why is there the need for that when jesus has done it all <laughs> you know he's made us a new creation there is no old me left to do anything bad, and some people, you know, have this kind of thing. Okay, well, Jesus has taken all our old, all our sin away. Therefore, I can't do any sin. Therefore, I can do no wrong, and I'm okay because Jesus has made everything all fine. Therefore, I don't need to be sorted out. Well, the reality is, you kind of just look around. You just look around in your own heart. And you think, well, actually, there is a bit of sorting out needs to be done. Actually, I look at them and I go, oh yeah, they definitely do a lot of sorting out to be done. That's just the reality that we see. And I just wanted to take, I want to take you to a passage in scripture where I believe Jesus explained it all. All of that. All right? So turn with me to John chapter eight. You can all turn to that one. Okay, John chapter eight. I'll be reading it in the RSV version. I don't know what versions you, you guys have got. Some of you are reading it actually in German Bibles or your own language Bibles. You're all using English Bibles. No okay? I'm re- um, I'll be reading it in R- the RSV. And I'm gonna start at verse 31, all right? And it says here, Jesus then said to the Jews who had believed in him. Right, I wanna stop there. Jesus is actually talking to Jews who believed in him, right? Jesus had been around, people had been exposed to his ministry. And here we have a group of people who, who actually thought, okay, I believe in Jesus. He is something special. Whether It doesn't say what they believed, you know, but it does. the Bible just says they believed in him. Uh, you know, they believed his teaching. They believed he came from God. They believed he was something special and they believed he was speaking God's words to them. So they kind of believed in him. Belief, you know, that's important as a Christian, isn't it? We kind of, <laughs> you kind of, you need, you need to believe. Um, so Jesus is talking to people who believed in him. And then he says these amazing words. This is an amazing verse. He says, if you continue in my word, you're truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. And, then, and we all think, oh, that's great. The truth has made me free. You know, well, we, we've had a little bit of talk about this just now, haven't we? I can, you know, how we feel a bit free, don't we? But not totally free. And the question is, you know, Jesus says the truth is going to make us free. So, but we feel a bit free, but not totally free. And I just want, and later on in this passage, he kind of explores why that is the case. Um, and I, but I just want to take that verse apart. All right. Jesus said to the Jews who believed in him. Okay, so let's just ta- let's just relate us to this. Okay, we believe in him, don't we? Right. And then he says, okay. He says to these people who, okay, you believe. Now he says, well, now if you Hold on to my teaching. Right, so here's, here's something. Jesus is saying, this is what I want you to do. I want you to now hold on to my teaching. Okay. Now, ooh, okay. Uh, so not just believe, but hold on to what he's saying. And then he says, if you hold on to my teaching, you're truly my disciples, All right? In other words, you're my followers if you hold on to my teaching. And he says, and then, he says, then you will know the truth. Now, that's an interesting word. Because the word Jesus used for know is the same word that, or a similar meaning to, you know, and Adam knew his wife. And we were having a chat about this, weren't we? You know, if I, you could say to me, uh, Jonas could say to me, hey, do you know Miriam? Are we okay about this? Are we we okay using you as an example? And I say, yeah, sure I know Miriam. Yeah, she's really pretty. She's got dark hair. You know, she's not English, but hey, kind of everything. (laughs) 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 Half English, yeah, yeah. She's halfway there. (laughs) She's married to a really good-looking guy. And she's really sweet. She's quite understanding got a nice smile, and uh, I you I don't know much more about you than that, but <laughs> I say, yeah, I know Miriam, and Jonas would say, uh, 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 you don't, You think you know her, but I'm telling you something, I know her, right, you know her in lots and lots of different ways, you know her physically in ways that I don't, <laughs> mercifully, <laughs> you know all about the way she, well, you know a lot about the way she thinks, I'm assuming. You don't quite know everything about the way she thinks, but you probably know quite a lot. You know how she's going to react in certain situations, right? You, you know how she feels about things. You don't just know what her thoughts on things are. You know how she's going to feel about certain things. You, you know her in a whole different way than I know her. The Bible, in fact, says that you and her have been united in a way that makes you one, right? That's, that's a kind of a, a different level of knowing, isn't it, from the way I know Miriam. And that kind of deep, deep, deep knowing that comes from being united to something, being inside something, being utterly one with something, that's the kind of knowing that Jesus was talking about here. So he says, okay, you believe. Okay, that's the starting point. That's the basic starting point, believing in something. Next thing, you have to keep hold of the teaching. I I like that expression because when you hold something, you're kind of holding something like this, aren't you? And where would you hold something close to? You'd kind of be holding something close to your heart, wouldn't you, when you... Put your arms around something. You keep hold. I, like, I kind of like that. I'm, I'm not quite sure whether Jesus fully intended that. But I like the, I like the image, holding things close to your heart. And he says, then if you keep hold of that teaching that he's taught us, then, so that's the condition. You have to do that. And if you do that, then you be truly his disciples and then, that truth then you will know that truth by holding on to it then you will know it in a way that you didn't know it before and he says and then that truth that you know that's the truth that will set you free okay now that's interesting isn't it it it, be, it becomes more rich doesn't it holding on to the truth deeply deeply knowing it not just oh yeah Jesus loves me great I'm free uh, well let's unpack that a little bit let's can you hold on to that well let's talk about me I grew up thinking I wasn't lovable somebody comes to me and then says hey Jesus loves you I think yeah great Jesus loves me but then I've got to hold on to that truth and keep holding it and say well ah." Uh, then suddenly I think oh Well, actually, how can he do that? Because actually, I'm not lovable. So therefore, I'm not sure I believe that. So, no, I can't hold on to that one. Because there's a much deeper truth in my heart that was planted when I was five years old. And it's been... And, it's been, and, and, and that nail of that truth has been hammered into my heart year in, year out as a child. You're not lovable. 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 And then suddenly Jesus' truth comes along. Ah, I love you. You say, yeah, I've got that here in my head. But as soon as that truth tries to get anywhere close to my heart, well, actually, I can't hold on to that one because that space is already filled with something else, the real truth that I'm not lovable. That's the real truth for me. Does that make sense? So I cannot hold on to that truth. Therefore, I don't know that truth. Therefore, that truth cannot set me free. Does that make sense? Well, what do we do? (laughs) What do we do in this strange place where we're receiving a whole lot of different truths? But the problem is all that space where this truth wants to go is filled up with other stuff. Let's just carry on reading. John chapter 8, verse 34. It's a strange passage. Because remember, Jesus is talking to people who believed in him. These guys believed in him. He said, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not continue in the house forever. The son continues forever. So if the son makes you free, you will be free indeed. And then Jesus says, I know that you're descendants of Abraham, yet you're seeking to kill me. This is crazy. I mean... Jesus is talking to people who believe in him. He says, your sons of Abraham, but you're seeking to kill me. Because my word, listen to this, because my word finds no place in you. Jesus is talking to people who believed in him. And he says, my word has no place in you. How can this be? Well, we, he's just said it, hasn't he? We just said it here. Clearly, believing in Jesus is not the same as having place deep in your heart for that word. And why has that word no place in there? Well, carry on. Jesus says, I know that you're descendants of Abraham. You seek to kill me because my word finds no place in you. I speak of what I have seen with my father. I know the truth. And then what does he say? but you do what you have heard from your father. Now, that's weird. We know the devil is the father of lies, okay? You've come across that, haven't you? So, what's going on in my heart as a five-year-old? I grew up believing uh, my father doesn't love me, lie. I'm not lovable, lie. I grow up believing lies in my heart. Where do those lies come from? You know the answer. Sounds like a squirrel. But the answer is the devil. (laughs) You know, those lies come from the father of lies, the devil. And my heart had those lies stuck in there, believing them. Is it surprising that it took me a long time to really, really believe that Jesus actually really does love me? Because there was no place for that truth to land. It started. It, it, every t- I'd, I'd, I'd be having this war all the time. I had the truth in my head. I knew it. I read it in the Bible. Jesus loves me. So okay, truth, get down there into my heart. Bing, bounce off. And then, and suddenly, and and. And and I'm really struggling with this relationship with this guy who's trying to be nice to me. But I think he's behaving like that simply because he wants something or he wants to use me or something. And and I'm misinterpreting. I'm seeing things in a weird way and struggling to feel any love at all because my heart is all full of that rubbish. Yeah. And so, I'm, and so I'm at war inside come on truth get down from there into the heart and the heart's and like, no <laughs> the heart doesn't want it yeah I've been hurt so I've been hurt so many times hurt time and time and time again and there's pain in there and that, that the pain does something the pain's, what do you do when you're hurting? If you cut yourself, what do you do? You put a plaster on it, don't you? Yeah, you have to protect yourself. Hide, you know, if, if, if something's really hurting, ah, don't let anybody go near it. You withdraw, you pull it away. And we hide things away, cover them up. Pain, pain hurts, so you don't want the pain to be touched. So how do our minds do that? Our minds do it by, they, our minds create a story. This really hurts. So I've got to explain why it hurts. Well, it hurts because these people aren't loving me because I'm not lovable. Oh, okay, that's a, that a kind of sauce it. Well, that's just who I am now. I'm a non-lovable person. That explains why. It, that's can't, that's a, that lie becomes like the sticking plaster. It becomes the bandage. Ah, that's the reason. I can relax now. I don't have to struggle to understand why I'm in pain. I know it now. I've I've covered it over with the sticking plaster. That explains it. Ah, everything's at peace now. I'm not lovable. People don't love me because I'm not lovable. That pain is there because I'm horrible. Okay? It's very easy to believe that, and it's an explanation for why I'm hurting. So then I can, re- I can just relax in the truth now. And, I, and, I, and, and now I can, I, can, I can get on with life. Well, okay, well, I go to work. Well, actually, I'm not lovable. So I've got to now behave in a way which makes people like me. I've got to, I've got to try so hard now. I've really, really got to try. And I, I kind of behave in a really over-the-top way, trying to make str- really struggling to make things work, because deep down inside, I don't think I'm lovable. So anyway, Sue, listen, Sue's gonna talk about this later. I'll stop talking about this now. So Jesus says, you're doing, the reason you have no room in your heart for me, for my truth, is that because you're believing the lies that the father of lies has put in your heart. I think we'll, yeah, we'll stop that there. So it all sounds a bit dire, doesn't it? all sounds a bit, uh, a bit horrible. I don't want you to get hung up about who who your father is. You know, the Bible sorted that out, hasn't he? You know, that's sorted out in the Bible. You know, the Holy Spirit testifies in our hearts that we are children of God. You know, we're called children of God because that's who we are. God has made us his children. So I don't want you to get from this, you know, that your father is the devil or anything like that. But the father, the devil is the father of lies. And there's no doubt the devil has messed around with us and and, and encouraged us to believe lies, right? What was the first thing that the devil said in the Garden of Eden in the, the whole of the history of humanity? Did God say, oh yeah, the devil comes and lies to us? That's what the devil does, right? You won't, oh, you eat of the tree. You live your own life. You know, life, life will be great. You'll be like God. You won't die. You know, everything's going to be fine for you. Well, why? That's the, the, that's what the devil does. Uh, so anyway, let me, let me give you another illustration just to, just to show you this. You know, we believe, but how do we, how do we hold on to this teaching when we've got these lies? stuffed in our hearts. I'll just give you another, an, another example, just to help you understand. Uh, and, and, th- and this is kind of a personal story of how God started to sort me out, <laughs> right? I, uh, again, I was, as I say, I was being bullied at school all the time, and, uh, and there were certain school bullies, certain guys who bullied all the time. And uh, unfortunately, in, in our junior school, what year would it be, Sue, the junior school? Yeah, between seven and eleven. What years would, would you call those now? I never. I, three years three to six, if that means anything to you. Yeah, I. I in anyway, never mind. <laughs> I, I can never. I can never get the school year numbering thing sorted out. It was always infant school, junior school, and senior school for me. that was, that was a long time ago. But anyway, so I was about uh, ten, and uh, the school bullies. We uh, at, at break time, we had a what we call a snack shop. You understand a tuck shop where uh, they would. Uh, he's a very good headmaster, you know. He kind of tried to teach us principles of living. So he, uh, we had a shop system, and the guys who ran the shop system, they would go to the shops with money, buy sweets and biscuits and things like that, and 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 bring them into the school. And at break time, we would go buy them. Well. And uh, so it, they all had receipts and everything. It was always all done above board, and uh, I knew that these guys were always stealing the stuff. They were always. It, it, it was supposed to be okay, but actually they spent and they bragged about it. You know, they let they let you know they let us know. Oh, you know, a free packet of crisps. I had this. I had that. And you know, these were the bullies. Anyway, so I was kind of jealous of this and. I don't know why, one day I just took it into my head. You have to believe me, this is true. I thought to myself, I wonder if I could actually not steal them, but do the act and get away with it, and then put the crisps back. So I thought, if they can do this, I wonder whether I can do it. You know, I just wanted to know whether I was capable of being stealing the crisps without being seen, and then put the crisps back. Well. So I did. I managed to get the packet of crisps without being seen. And then I was putting them back. And one of the guys, who was the bullies, saw me. He ran up to me and grabbed me around the neck. and said, Polish wog is trying to steal food. <laughs> you know, he's throttling me like this. The Polish wog's stealing. So anyway, that was it. So they all around me. They grabbed my hair, hands round the throat, take him to the headmaster. So they, they'd marched me off to the headmaster. Irving's been trying to steal the crisps. And it was crazy because these guys were stealing every day. But when I tried to do it, it, it in fact, it was when I was putting the crisps back, <laughs> they saw me and they d- dragged me off to the headmaster said, head. Irving's trying to steal the crisps. So the headmaster said, Thank you, leave it with me. Come into my office, you know, oh No, I'm doomed. Now, remember, I, I at this point I believed I wasn't lovable, right? So, I gets into the headmaster's study, and he said, "Now, Irving, tell me what was going on." So, I actually told him the truth. I said, I, di- "I didn't tell him that. I didn't tell him that these guys stole the things normally. I just said." I wasn't trying to steal them. I was just wondering if I could steal them and, I, and they saw me putting them back. So I wasn't trying to steal them at all. Well, he didn't believe me, of course, because which, ki- which guy, which young boy is gonna try and put things back? He didn't believe that. So I told him the truth, but he didn't believe it. So he just kept saying, what's, what's the real truth, Irving? He just wanted me to say the truth. Right. And, of course, the truth in his mind was I was trying to steal the crisps. So he, he was then on a moral crusade with me, and he was trying to, to build my moral courage. So he, wasn't, he wanted me to get to the point where I confessed the truth because he was a good man. And uh, about one hour later, he, still, he kept asking me. Every five minutes or every two or three minutes, he would say, Okay, Irving, what's the truth? I wasn't trying to steal the crisps. Okay, stay there. I'll ask you a bit later. And it was very, very obvious. I was not leaving that office by telling the truth. The truth was never going to get me out of that office. What I had to do was tell him what he wanted to hear. I had to say to him. And I remember it was about two hours later. He had me in his office for two hours just standing there. And in the end, after two hours, I burst into tears, I was crying. And I said, I was trying to steal the crisps. And he came up to me and he put his arm around me and he said, well done, that's great. Off you go, you can go now. That was it. He thought he was really trying to be a good teacher. I think he was trying to be a good teacher. He didn't know what the truth was. He thought the truth was something different. So, I broke down into tears. I had to lie to escape. And the question is, what, what belief came into my heart at that point? Can you imagine what beliefs came into the heart of my, my heart at that point? Speaking the truth, will never work. That was one belief. Second belief, I will always be wrong. If Whatever I say is gonna be wrong. If I said I wasn't trying to steal the crisps, that was wrong. If I said I was trying to steal the crisps, that was confessing I was a thief. That was wrong. It's impossible to not be wrong. That was the, that was the belief that came into my heart. that time. I am always going to be wrong. And no matter what I say, people are going to criticize me. People are going to say, you're wrong. You're wrong. Whatever I speak, if I say I did it, I'm wrong. If I say I didn't do it, I'm wrong. So I, I, I know at that moment in my heart, a very deep lie entered my heart. I am always going to be wrong. And people are always going to look down upon me. Right? That's the, that's the belief that came into my heart at that point. And what sort of behavior do you think that sort of belief in my heart might generate? You know, I've, I've struggled for a long time, haven't I, Sue? Trying to believe that I could ever lead anything. Why should that behavior come from that? Well, of course, if I'm trying to lead something, people are always going to be looking at me thinking, ah, he's wrong. Because that's what I know is true. I know that I'm always wrong. So it doesn't matter what I do, I'm going to be leading people into something that's wrong. People are going to be looking at me thinking, he's useless. He doesn't know what he's doing. He's wrong. He's rubbish. (laughs) So I've, I've... throughout most of my Christian life, I've struggled with authority, struggled with people trying to lead me, or, or if I've been trying to lead things and haven't really believed that people would respect me. Does that all make sense? That all came simply because of one guy trying to be a good teacher. All of that. My difficulty with authority came from one guy trying to be a good teacher. Right? And so when Jesus comes and says, you know, I love you. Look into my eyes. I adore you. And I'm there thinking, how can you do that? Because you know that I'm wrong all the time. (laughs) You know, these beliefs interfere with my relationship with God as well. They did. And uh, the problem is, you can see how painful events can cause us to have wrong belief and can cause our behavior to be dysfunctional. Is Is that a word you know, understand? Dysfunctional. So our behavior becomes dysfunctional because of the beliefs we've had, because of the pain we've had. And Jesus says, okay, if you want to be totally set free, you have to embrace my teaching and keep hold of it. And that's the difficulty. When you're trying to embrace teaching where your heart is already full of some lies, which doesn't allow that truth to land. So it becomes, so coming back to my initial question, why if God has done everything, Why, if Jesus, in his grace, has done all these incredible things and made us free, why do we behave like we're not free? Why do we need a slightly different approach sometimes? Why is it not enough just to keep bombarding ourselves with the truth? The truth is this. The truth is this. The truth is this. From most of the time i would have to say i think that that probably is enough because the truth if we just keep just keep saying it saying it it's like it's like it's like throwing missiles isn't it into enemy territory you know and this heart which is believing all these lies and we can, we kind of thro- like throwing artillery grenades in it tr- have this truth have this truth have this truth and our hearts are slowly being you know those lies being slowly attacked, but there are some lies which are so deeply held. Uh, I let me tell you what God did. I was actually doing a counseling session with somebody else and uh, this guy was having a similar problem with not feeling appreciated, feeling disapproved of. And I'm trying to counsel this guy and suddenly I'm going back in my mind, boof, to this headmaster's schoolroom. I don't, I don't know how I managed to do this counseling session, but I think I managed to help this guy through to a reasonably good place. But I'm having my own counseling session inside, and I'm, I'm kind of living in this memory of being with the schoolmaster. And suddenly, I'm kind of aware that I've got all these problems myself, you know, struggling with approval because I don't feel anybody's gonna approve of me because I'm always gonna be wrong. And, and I found God saying, this is why you believe it. And, and I realized that the pain of that was in my heart because it was, this event was buried in my heart. And even though it happened in the past, the pain of it was still present. And so what happened is I'm counseling this guy and at the same time as I'm counseling him, I'm kind of engaging with Jesus myself. What what can I do? And Jesus said, just forgive him. Just forgive him for what he did. He didn't know what he's doing. What did Jesus say on the cross? Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. And... A lot of the time people do know what they're doing to us, but a lot of the time they don't. Fathers who just go off to work and come back at nine o'clock at night trying to look after us, trying to build a home, but then the father's never there for the kids. And the kids grow up with their fathers and you know and Father God comes and says, You know, I'm your loving father and and you say, Okay, that's a belief in my head, but in my heart, fathers loving me, that doesn't work. Because my experience of fathers is that they're not there for me. All right? Fathers aren't there for me. That's a deeper truth. And uh, anyway, I've, I'm forgiving Mr. Backhouse. Oh, I shouldn't have mentioned his name. I don't mind. I think he's probably dead by now. And I'm sure sure he won't be listening to this tape. And if anybody knows this guy, have grace on him. He was a really good teacher. Anyway, there we are. (laughs) Um, But I have this picture. And in this picture, I'm, I'm saying to Jesus, help me, help me, help me. And Jesus is saying, forgive him, forgive him, forgive him. He doesn't know what he's doing. And then I have this picture of myself and it was suddenly like i became transparent gold you know sometimes uh, anyway i don't i don't un- i don't understand how gold could be transparent but it was like i was just transparent gold and it was like i i became kind of like an angel that's pure gold isn't it? yeah just gold becomes the color it is because of but when it's pure it's transparent i've heard that i don't know if that's actually true uh, it's like that in the bible yeah um, <laughs> I've, I've heard this, you know, that if something was totally 100% pure, it, it would be transparent. But anyway, I don't actually know if that's true. No, I don't want to claim it's true. But anyway, that's what I saw in my image, like absolute, totally transparent, pure gold. And inside me, Jesus st- stood inside me. So there was Jesus right in the middle of me and I was surrounding him, totally transparent gold. And this teacher... And it's kind of a weird picture. He grabbed hold of a whip and he started to whip me. But in fact, the whip, ah, excuse me, just filling me up just thinking about it. The whip went, because I was transparent, the whip went straight through me and it landed on Jesus. And Jesus said, hey, you know, he, he thought he was attacking you. It was actually the devil trying to attack you. But in fact, that whip landed on me. Okay, because I'm in you and you're golden. So I, I got these words, I'm in you, and you are golden, and you can forgive him. And that, meant, that, was, that was amazing for me. This, this was a transformative moment in my life. When I, I heard him say, I'm in you, and you are golden, and his, the lashes are landing on me, not on you, and suddenly, can see what's happening. You know, the devil's having a go at Jesus. You know, Jesus is in me. And the devil's having a go at Jesus. It it felt like the lashes were landing on me. But he said, Jesus was saying that I'm taking it for you. And you're, you're just pure gold. And that phrase, you know, you're pure gold, you're golden. And I mean you. Just allowed me to forgive him. I forgave him everything, and I can only tell you that my my attitude to people in authority and my my own ability to be able to lead things changed from that moment on. Right as I, and when then what what's going to hap, what happens after that? What happened many times is if I'd be in a situation where I'd be talking to somebody and I'd suddenly be I'd be feeling. <clears throat> they're disapproving of me. All I had to do was just maybe sometimes close my eyes, but just even in a, a tenth of a second, say, uh-uh, you're he's in me, and I'm golden. Ha-ha, <laughs> finished. Just completely finished. You know, so, so the, 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 the pattern of behavior didn't kind of go away straight away, but it changed straight away. It definitely became 100% easier. But there was st- I, there were still times when I, <gasps> I feel disapproved of. But I knew that the truth that God had given me to set me free in that um, that one is he, He's in me and I'm golden. And you can understand. Can you see how that worked for me? And instantly that was okay, done deal. That's who I am. That's who Jesus is. That's where He Jesus is. And the disapproval feeling just whew, disappears straight away. So, if ever you hear me listening under my, talking under my breath, you're talking to me, and I say, hmm, I'm, easy, me and I'm golden. You know, I'm feeling disapproved of by you. <laughs> 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 no, no, actually, it's not gonna happen now. But uh, what, I, what I'm saying is, the pain that was there held the belief in place. That belief that was held in place by the pain filled the space where Jesus' truth wanted to come in. So although the, you know, we, can, we can just fill our head with biblical truth and the truth about Jesus and keep telling it to ourselves, and that is utterly, utterly important. We have to do that. And the second half of the week, we're gonna be talking about that a lot, aren't we? Part of the week is going to be talking about how do we identify what lies are already there How do we identify some of the rubbish that's in here? Because what we want to do is we just want to clear that rubbish out and make space, make some space for the truth to land in here so then we can really hold on to it. And then we'll know that truth. And then that truth will really set us free. Okay? Yeah, come on. We're just learning how to access the grace that Jesus has for us how to access the truths that he's only Thank you for listening to the Idestiny podcast. For further information, check out www.idestiny.org.uk.